Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. And welcome into a very, very special episode of the Penny Bloom Podcast. Tis I, Colton Robertson, and I am joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much for being here, homie. It's a big day. It is a big day, and I'm glad to be here. The first ever Penny Bloom Awards. An honor to be here. Of the decade. We're doing the 70s. Obviously, we wrapped up the '70s with Apocalypse Now just a, just a, just a little bit ago. Uh, I uh, looking into the future. This will become one of the most successful award shows of all time for what we have lined up. Uh, oh yeah, I mean this ready. will this will eventually <laughs> overcome the Oscars. Yeah, Oscars. Who? Uh, we will eventually be more important to <laughs> filmmakers everywhere than the Academy. Hopefully, we'll make the Kansas City Film Critics Circle proud. Oh, I know we will. I know we will, uh, especially with the the back half of mm. our awards here. Of course. Uh, obviously, we're going to start with some with some real shit. We're going to get right into it. We got some best actor categories. We got some best actors categories. How about a uh, best director, uh, set design, soundtrack, all that shit, costume design? It's it's a wonderful little thing we've got going. And then on the back half, we'll have a little bit more fun with it. It won't be so. It won't be so technical. It won't be so. Uh, who was the best at this? We'll uh, we'll get a little bit uh, get a little bit more free reign in here, and that's when we'll start changing it up from your uh, your typical award show. Uh, but yeah, I'm ready. And obviously, we're not talking all the '70s. We've covered ten movies from the '70s, '70 through '79: Mash, A Clockwork Orange, Godfather, American Graffiti, Godfather Two, Jaws, Taxi Driver, Star Wars, The Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin, and Apocalypse Now. And those are our nominees. In every category, we had the opportunity to choose from only those movies. We, uh, because that's what we've talked about in the last the last ten weeks, uh, which is a while. This is a long time coming, and I'm ready to do the Penny Bloom Awards. So let's get it rolling with uh, let's let's start light. Let's start light with set design. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it's extremely important to me. That you get me enveloped in your world, and that it's believable, and that I buy that this exists. And these movies, above the rest of them from the decade, stood out for their set design. The 36th Chamber of Shaolin, Star Wars, Apocalypse Now, A Clockwork Orange, and American Graffiti. Uh, no other movies from this uh, from this decade stood out quite like these did in terms of... Uh, Getting me there, like once you were in, you were in with these. Like I guess uh, th- that's not just due to the set, obviously. So that's not what this award is for. Like just being into the movie, but uh, it's it's a huge part. But of it helps. You, you, yeah, it you, definitely helps. You lack in that set design. You you lack in a a believable world. 
that you built for me, then I'm not, I'm not going to buy it. Like I, I'm, I'm going to have a tough time getting into it. And, uh, these, these movies did a really good job, uh, on mm. their set design. And, uh, I think the 36 chamber of Shaolin, uh, is as good an option here as any. And it, it was, it was one that early on I, w- I was like, ah, eh, I'll probably dismiss that. But I think back to the, the set design in that movie, the temples and the villages, each of yeah, the I'm... challenges that they had to face, like they had to design all of those sets around the challenges. Like yeah. the set design was like a very huge, like creative process in this movie and like a very vital part. How about the mirror fucking, uh, that's grill? sick. That yeah. was sick. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a, be- and then you have something that like on that side, the 36 chamber of Shaolin is a little bit more of the, like, obviously, uh, we're in a movie. Like you, you can all like. There's a, a degree of like the production budget that comes into play there, and like, mm-hmm. uh, and it's what you can do with that budget that'll that'll wow me. I think to an '80s movie that we won't cover, that is very very like corny set design. It's a, a little shop of horrors. It's very musical, very like on on stage type of set design. Like it's like I can tell you all built this with like cardboard walls and stuff. <laughs> But if you can, if even then, if you can do that right, it can look awesome. Uh, and I feel like the 36 Chamber of Shaolin is a step up from that in terms of like production value and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have something on the other side, like Apocalypse Now, uh, where we are in the fucking jungle doing the shit, baby. We're uh, in the jungle. And you're like, we're in the jungle. You we're, with, feel... we're with some cult. Uh, <laughs> on some sort of landscape they've created. Uh, yeah, this set design was crazy. Talk about the, yeah, very opposite of the spectrum. A huge budget. $120 million, I think. Adjusted it, for we, yeah, ad- yeah, adjusted value, which is insane for a movie like back then, like, to spend that much, like... Right. Um, but, yeah, this these sets were... I mean, I really felt like this is what Vietnam felt and looked like. Like I think to that scene where they they uh, land the chopper, uh, where they're about to go surfing, mm. and like war is raging. They're just like, and they're walking through the middle of it, or maybe this. I'm, yeah. I'm making two scenes in my head. I'm thinking of when they show up and the camera crew's like, it's for television. Keep moving, keep moving. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's war raging around them and they're just walking through. You see explosions, you see stuff blowing up. You see a guy with the flamethrower, like, and it's like, damn, like you feel like you there. And yeah, that, I mean, that's... even that surf when they land to like go surfing, like it, it shows like a very wide shot of like two guys that are surfing that like, near miss almost get blown up and then like a napalm strike and and then like you know so like like all of these shots like are insane like the the sets that they had i mean it's like legitimate real world set like right like there's no like this was on site like it had to have been it had to have been on location uh i don't see how it could have not been uh, I mean, especially for the movie obviously the they could they had they probably had to build the structures that they that you see getting like burnt down and stuff. I can't mm-hmm. imagine that they were just like allowed to go burn down stuff that was already That's there. True. 
Uh, yeah, they had to build a whole village to destroy. Base like if they're destroying something, like they probably. I, I sure hope. It. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I sure, sure hope, hope it wasn't a real village. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah. I, I sure <laughs> hope that would be the case. Uh, but I think a Clockwork Orange uh, did, mm. did another really good thing with uh, with the set design. Where like uh, it it's pretty minimalist at moments, where it's like uh. It's mostly just a dark setting, but then we'll cut to a, a the inside of someone's house. And when you're inside someone's house, you're like, holy fucking shit. What world is this? Mm-hmm. The, uh, milk I think bar, the milk bar. Yeah, the um, milk bar. The, the people's home where he paralyzes the guy. Alex's room. Yeah, like, Alex's uh, room. Yes. Um, that whole world is – like – the set design is very crucial to that movie. It sets the, like, makes you uncomfortable. Like, it does everything the movie wants it to do um, very, very well. And, I mean, I love that movie. Um, it's just getting better and better every time I, I rewatch it. Um, and I don't, uh, I mean, it's great. Like, A Clockwork Orange, they're, it's iconic, but like you're talking about an iconic set design, and I don't know if this is the one where it's hidden. Mm. Really? If we're getting to iconic set designs, mm. I don't want to. I don't want to skip over anything. But I mean, let's talk Star Wars real quick, baby. I mean, come on. That's you iconic. The inside of the Millennium Falcon. I, the first thought. First thought that had to be designed, that had to be built, bro. How about how about this? The Moss Eisley Cantina, all of the murals that are like the backgrounds for everything, like the literal hey. gigantic murals. Hey, let me hit you with this: the fucking Death Star. <laughs> what the hell? True. Yes, the Death Star. Um, literal planets. Um, <laughs> Yavin, Yavin, for the love of God, the lined Luke's lined house, with the kings. Like, like Luke's like home, Obi Wan's home, the fucking um, oh my god, the the freaking uh, sand people's what's the, the crawler? Is that what they call oh, the them? sand the, crawler with yeah, the droids? Like, yeah, um, I mean, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean like let's let's talk let's let's touch on American graffiti real quick, just like one last little one last little bit. The uh, just capturing the sixties so perfectly. Like I I it's such a specific era that they're capturing here and they brought it to life so incredibly well. I think to the diner and uh, all the cars and stuff, the streets, the the sign, the like the businesses lining the streets, like mm. they did incredible. Uh, designing the set like it was it was as real as it gets and they captured the 60s beautifully basically is the movie like the set design is the the point is the whole like it's just the 60s captured in film it's a museum movie basically if uh yeah it's 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 a glorious looking movie hard choice like it's all it's now talking through it yeah like yeah Talking through each of them, like Star Wars seems like okay, crazy grand scale, unbelievable. But like the budget was also insane. 
Like they had a huge budget to do that. They had they had a sizable budget, but like, but like comparing it to like the thirty six Chamber of Shaolin, like is what I'm. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's a better budget than thirty six Chamber of Shaolin. But I I I'd go out on a limb here and guess that it was closer to a budget for a thirty six Chamber of Shaolin than it was for an Apocalypse Now. That's uh, true. Yeah, I guess budget. Yeah, I don't know why I went to Star Wars for the biggest one when Apocalypse Now is right there. Um, yeah. So I mean, we have very polar opposite like uh, budgets here, and like, how does that weigh in on uh, like the argument for a set design? Because if it's if this is like doing the best with what you got, I feel like that's more of a fair you know, award, but if, I mean, if it's just overall the best set design, like... Star Wars budget was $11 million. Oh, wow. So, is that adjusted or not? That's not adjusted. So that's... It, it, it's a sizable, it's a sizable budget, but like, yeah. it's not $30 million that Apocalypse Now gets a couple a of years third. later. Yeah, it's a third, uh, which is insane that Star Wars accomplished what it did with a third of Apocalypse's Now budget. Like, that's amazing on Star Wars' part. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like. Hmm. But, you know, I, I we talked through it, and I, I started there, and I think I got to end there. Because without, like, without the set design, I, like, there's no telling what Star Wars would have become if they went with any other thing. You know, like, if if we don't start in the Moss Eisley Cantina and on, on Leia Organa's ship with uh just like how about that that first shot of leia with r2 like that's that's a that's a fantastic set design and i can't even tell you what the fuck that room is it's just you like know the I'm escape saying? pod yeah walk hallway yeah like what just yeah like every time like every room you're in is like built you know, like it has to be there because in a completely they're building their world. own world. Yeah, like it's a whole other thing. It's uh, like it is Star Wars truly is the winner. Like I, I every time like I want to pick Star Wars, I'm like holding back to make sure that I'm not just picking Star Wars because it's Star Wars. You. But like no, this, I, I'm truly... with you. There, there are certain categories where it is undoubtedly one of the most creative movies of all time. So it's like. It's gonna. It, it it has to win some of them. Just and this is definitely one of those where like you're creating an environment that is supposed to feel real, but completely unfamiliar to us. And they they nail that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it it is the clear winner. Yeah, like talking through it, Star Wars wins the set design, the first right. award for the um. First award ever for the Look Penny Bloom Awards. And of course it was going to go to Star Wars. Where else would we start? <laughs> Where else would we start? All right, let's get to best soundtrack, though. And, uh, uh-oh, surprise, motherfucker, first nominee, Star Wars. Uh, but before we get into the nominees, again, I want to break down what we're what the general idea was here, you know? And uh, it's pretty self-explanatory, best soundtrack, you know? What got us going the most when we were watching this movie? What pulled us in deeper? What made us feel things more what made things more painful than they were prior what made things happier than they would have been without it what made things scarier and music can almost entirely be owed those sorts of things not mm. not entirely but they have a very heavy hand in it if you take the music out of a movie 
it's so awkward. Like, it's very awkward. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, like, whenever Luke, Han, and Chewie get their medals. Oh, um, yeah, without the end, music. Without yeah. the music, and it's just like, uh, you just, it's just like silence. It's so awkward. Like, that music, it, music adds so much to a movie. Like, it really does. So much to a movie. And these movies, like, these nominees, like, they all do it very well. So, um, best soundtrack nominees, starting with Star Wars, A Clockwork Orange, The Godfather, Jaws, and again, the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. Let's put some respect on 36th Chamber of Shaolin real quick. This is one that I think uh, it, it, it won't win. It won't win. Let's. I'll, I'll put it that way. But it is a solid soundtrack. Uh, uh, it prevailed amongst like, you know, against like up against Taxi Driver, one of the greatest, considered one of the greatest films of all time. And it has a pretty well-liked soundtrack. This is, I, I, yeah. I'd take 36 Chamber over Taxi Driver 10 times out of 10. An interesting distinction could be like, like Taxi Driver, it's the use of the soundtrack that is good there. Not necessarily that the soundtrack itself, like standalone, like True. is good to listen to. Like a standalone soundtrack to listen to, like Star Wars, you can just listen to that and it's just good on its own. Yeah. But like in a movie like Taxi Driver or. Um, even a Clockwork Orange, where it's just like the same song repeated over and over. Um, it's like the use of the song. Jaws, you know. At, yeah, exactly. So, I guess we maybe should just run through all the nominees. Oh, we already did. Yeah. So, like Jaws is the perfect example of the use of the soundtrack. Like, yeah, everyone knows how to play that thing on the piano. It's simple. You know, like. It builds tension. It's simple. And how about uh, how about John Williams popping up a couple times in the? Uh... Has to. I mean, he's going to be popping up more um, in the the future decades to come. Um, Absolutely. Um, but uh, the dude is a, a musical genius, so it makes sense that that he's up here. Um, It's How about the hard... Godfather soundtrack, real quick? Yeah. It's so perfectly Italian, and like that's, that's, they, they, you know, they, like did they create it? No, I... no. But like, goddamn, did it? Does it feel like you, they made this shit? <laughs> like, I don't know how many times like the music just made me want to like do the Italian hands thing, or like how many oh. times like you know, yeah, like it just like I felt like so. I felt in it, you know, like yeah. the like it really, like it, it does put you into the the world well, that you're in way more. And note, we didn't nominate Godfather for set de set design. However, like if we're building a universe, the Godfather does it about as well as anybody does. I feel as pulled in to that world as I do, say, a Clockwork Orange for its set design. Like, I feel as pulled into Godfather for completely different reasons: the acting, the uh, uh. And the music, mm -hmm. the music is so important it, it, at any given moment. It's just whenever we're like moving and we got those big Francis Ford Coppola shots that are just like they're showing you everything happening, everything in the distance. It happens in Apocalypse Now, too, where like you get these big shots just of landscapes uh, and they 
they'd play the just the super Italian theme as you know like yeah the, yes the, yes I didn't I didn't know I didn't want to do it because I don't think I could yeah but, I don't know yeah. I yeah I couldn't I I was trying my best to replicate it yeah, yeah. just a fast violin I don't know what instrument that is but like some stringed something I don't know oh yeah um, yeah the but fiddle perhaps man it puts you right in there like it I feel like I'm in Sicily. I got, you know, a pizzeria on my left and I got the statue of David on my, on my right. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm in there. Like I'm vibing. I'm vibing. Uh, but shit, man, who, who, who do you land on here for best soundtrack? I'm doing it again. Like I'm going to star Wars because like, even just the individual, like the theme for star Wars in general is goaded then you have like leia's theme and like each person's theme like perfectly resembles their character Mm. um and like there's a song for every like emotion like vader's theme um like Um, these um, themes are um, all iconic yeah the imperial um, march like these are songs that people just everyone in the world knows and like it's hard not to give it to Star Wars here, but like, well, and here's the thing. I'll help you think about it like this. Put John Williams work. Star Wars as an entire soundtrack next to Jaws, which undoubtedly has one of the most iconic soundtracks of all time. There is clearly one that is more dynamic, more out there more going for it and it's star wars you know like like that's that's how i think about it you know like uh i think that like the what i said for the godfather uh did they create it did they create that sound no not specifically however they utilized it incredibly well and john williams obviously didn't create the brassy symphony sound that that they they put on but boy oh boy did he make that sound star wars you know you hear that and now it's star wars you hear the first second of any of those songs yeah like you're the first second you're like oh i'm there shut the fuck up yeah (laughs) i'm in space you know i'm up there i'm on alderaan i'm i'm on well maybe hope maybe not um hopefully not yeah pre like maybe a while ago um (laughs) but uh I mean, it's uh, here. Let's let's talk a Clockwork Orange a little bit, though, because that was one of the things that like really, really set that movie apart for me. Was was its synthy, just like it's Beethoven, <laughs> like in Beethoven, like it's a it's a very critical part of the movie too. Like you hear Beethoven the whole, you know the whole movie and then it turns into like a trigger for him you know like it's like a legitimate story aspect um so like the soundtrack is very like important in this movie um and but the uh just the theme you know itself that you hear the whole time like it's just a kubrick you know like a a shining you know like yeah, like coming up next week for 1980 the shining Mm -hmm. like the music in those movies is very very similar at points. Like it's like there's clearly a thing he likes to do with instruments, uh, or like that he likes to get musicians to do on his mm-hmm. inst- on instruments mm-hmm. to uh, create tension and really make you uncomfortable. 
and it, it doesn't it does a fantastic job and like that's where I'm at right now is like if there's if there are two options for me it is Star Wars and a Clockwork Orange. Interesting. Uh, okay, because I was gonna try to like root for a Clockwork Orange here because like it's a very vital part of this movie and like um like Beethoven just being in you know the soundtrack like it's Beethoven like he's kind of goaded kind of unfair um yeah like that's <laughs> but uh um. Like the use of the soundtrack um, in A Clockwork Orange, I think is like the only other. Godfather comes close, but like Star Wars and A Clockwork Orange are my top two. But like, I still can't. I can't put it above Star Wars. Like this soundtrack is just. It's too dynamic. It's dynamic. That's the word I keep coming back to because it's just like it does all things. It does all of it. Think of it's think fantastic. about it this way. Can you open up your phone? Like, can you just listen out on a normal day to the Clockwork Orange soundtrack? Not really. Can you listen to, like, Star Wars songs? Any time of the day, any time of the year, yes. The answer, not always yes, but, uh, like, it it shouldn't just be the music you listen to, but it's not bad. Like, it's good. Like, it's good just, like, put in the background. Like, like, I mean, it's, it's good for anything. You know, you cooking, throw on, throw on some, Throw on a Star Wars soundtrack. Thankfully, we have like driving around Star Wars lo-fi. Star Wars soundtrack. Yeah, like Star Wars lo-fi beats, like on YouTube. Like those are flame. You know, like birth from these beautiful, like original soundtracks. Like, uh... and everyone knows that the 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 main Star Wars theme is the strongest aphrodisiac in uh, in America. Afro, what was that word? Aphrodisiac. What is that? I've never heard that before. Uh, it makes you want to fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is not what I was expecting at all. I know. That's what made it so funny. Aphrodis- that's a th- word? How do you... Yeah, aphrodisiac. It produces, uh, it produces pheromones that make you, uh, make you want to, make you, make you want to love. Amazing. Oh yeah, afro. Like the, I should, I should have, I, that's like a prefix I know. Like of a, a love. Wow, Aphrodite. Yeah. 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 Huh. Wow. What a cool word to learn. Um but that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. To, to any of these songs. Yeah, they're uh, very aphrodisiacly charged songs. <laughs> they're just horny. <laughs> uh literally. Uh a lot of horns. Lots uh, of them. Yeah, but yeah, I'll go with Star Wars. I'll go with Star Wars there too. And I promise, guys. I promise. I promise, guys. Uh, you won't hear another star. You probably won't hear a, a, another Star Wars nominee for a while. Yeah, for a while. These, okay, let's go to these let's two go categories to, uh, are just two that Star Wars excels in very, very well. So exactly. So no more Star Wars nominees. L- let's not do it. Let's go to Best Actor. First nominee: Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Oh shit. <laughs> Oh, no, but yeah, uh, he's definitely a nominee in this one. Uh, so <laughs> let's, let's talk it. Let's talk best actor. And, uh, this, this is a pretty self-explanatory one. It's at every award show there ever was. Uh, if they acted the best, we nominated them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one is important that we got here now for actor, supporting actor and best actress. So the way we did this was that since there were, it's, it was the seventies. And the movies we selected, there was a plethora of performances by great actors. Just so many men 
all over our screens. You could argue it was too many. Uh, actually, you can certainly argue it was too many. Uh, definitely a lack of representation for women uh, across across and people of color across this whole decade here. And um, so we had to split the actor noms up into best leading man and best supporting actor. Uh, and there's some there's some crossover there. We had several movies where you might consider someone a supporting actor, but another one where they're a leader back and forth. But we, we did our best there. And then for actresses, it was just best actress. And we have five nominees for each category, uh, as you can already tell, as we did with set design and soundtrack. And uh, so let's let's get into it. Let's do best actor to. Branch uh, point. So. Uh, the best actor nods. for best actor do we want to <laughs> you want to get official with this best actor include <laughs> malcolm mcdowell as alex in a clockwork orange marlon brando as don vito corleone in the godfather also colonel walter kurtz in, uh, <laughs> in apocalypse now robert de niro as travis bickle of taxi driver and a young vito corleone in godfather too Al Pacino as Michael Corleone. Again, The Godfather Part 2. And Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So, let's talk about it. And I'm going to go ahead and say right now, Mark Hamill's not going to win this one. He won't. Yeah, he's just Uh, stacked against way too many great way too heavy odds right here uh, yeah yeah uh what he, he does great when the odds are against him in most situations. he does do great with <laughs> never so tell him never the odds. <laughs> you never uh, know but yes you never know but yeah it's not it's not a. it's not him here uh he, he did fantastic and maybe if you take into if we were going like over the course of a full trilogy maybe but we're not we're not uh and even if we were still probably not mm-hmm. uh so we'll move on just straight up off the front. We love Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. He was obviously going to get nominated, but he won't win. Uh, so, love you, for Luke. me, up front, the person I lean, I, I like immediately lean towards is uh, is Marlon Brando. Yeah. Both of the roles he has are strong, iconic, and he plays the character perfectly. Like, oh, they're, they're, they couldn't be more dissimilar either. Like, they are not the same character at all. You can range. hardly tell they're the same man. Uh, Vito Corleone in The Godfather and uh, Colonel uh, Kurtz, right, mm-hmm. in, uh, in Apocalypse Now. He did fucking fantastic. And like, like I said, he is the reason that for me, Godfather is better than Godfather Two. Uh, he he just carries it for me in a, in a way that no no other actor did, in a way that my that Al Pacino didn't quite carry Godfather Two for me. Uh, I will say, if there was a second choice for me here, if we if we were like, here's my second place, it's Al Pacino as Michael Corleone in Godfather Two. Hmm. Uh, that's an incredible like the facial acting he does. That's true. I there are moments where he doesn't say a fucking word and like you don't have any question about the way he's feeling. Uh he so clearly portrays 
He's just such an incredible actor. Uh, and he did a really good job, uh, specifically in Godfather 2. I actually wouldn't nominate him for Godfather 1. I don't think he did as good there. Uh, I, uh, Godfather 2, I feel like he really elevated his performance in a, in a different oh, yeah. way. Um, I think uh, I think this one is it's pretty uh, clear cut and dry, in in my opinion. Like Marlon Brando, just like as the seventies, having these two movies, you know, one at early on in the seventies and one at the very end, uh, just kind of kind of fitting. Um, and he killed both of the roles. They're both insanely well well acted. Um, no, like no one ever criticizes these, like the acting of, of these characters. No, Um, no. it's, it's accepted and known that this is like the great, like one of the greatest acting performances of all time. Exactly. Um, so it makes sense that he wins, but, uh, I'd like to, to give, uh, my boy Malcolm McDowell uh, for his role in a clockwork orange, uh, an honorable mention here. Um, having um, to play a role like that um, is just an entirely different ball game, um, in my opinion. Like having to play someone that's so twisted and like just no sense of morale, you know, for the first part of the movie, um, it's tough to get there. And I appreciate those roles. Um, you know, it just reminds he me of like fantastic. Yeah, he like, just... he's incredibly important there. If you don't believe him, then. And then even after he's, like, uh, fully reformed, you know, and, like, going through his treatment, like, he even plays that part, like, very well. Like, the uh, um, the episodes he has whenever he, you know, um, violence is introduced again or Beethoven yeah. is on or whenever he's sitting through the, the treatment, like, literally with his eyes open, like, having to, like, go through that, like, and act through – the pain of these things scratching your cornea, like of your eye. Like the, the, I just, uh, I love that movie. Um, love the role. You know, he had to do some weird stuff. Um, which is just, you know, kind of, I think they had to do a whole porn in the middle of it. Yeah. It was like 37 minutes long or 45 minutes long. So credit to him there too. He's, uh, he has the stamina, I guess. Uh, like, cause it was sped up. It was very yeah, sped yeah. up. They, they like really it was legitimately it, yeah. 35 to 40 minutes that they were fake doing it. I don't know. Like, there's no way they actually. No way, right? But, like. I will say, it it's was Stanley Kubrick and he's a fucking yeah, psychopath. Like, yeah. Uh, and, like, it was right. Like, they didn't hide anything. Hardly anything. It was like we were watching a porno, I think, for, for a couple minutes there. Uh, but yeah, Malcolm McDowell does, does an incredible job in that role. Uh, acting in a Stanley Kubrick uh, movie is incredibly difficult in and of itself, and you do deserve recognition for that because mm-hmm. he is crazy, or he was. He was crazy. Uh, is he dead? Yes, 1999, mm. I believe he passed on. Uh, while back. Oh, that's right. Because they played a Clockwork Orange in 1999 when he that's died, right. or, or that's like, two, right. or maybe it was 2000. Like he died in like December, or like it was very late. That's in the right. year We touched like on that, yeah. that in the Clockwork Orange <laughs> episode. I forgot about he said, that. Do not play this movie in theaters until I die, and then they literally did. <laughs> like that's oh, I don't know. That's just funny to me. But, that's uh, funny as hell. But yeah, Marlon Brando wins the Best Actor category, yes. and I think it's uh, I actually think it's pretty easy. I don't think that one. Mm-hmm. 
I guess uh, honorable mention to De Niro, too, for Travis Bickle um, having to play that weird, awkward, and crazy role, too. That That's True. that's not easy. Um, you know, as a young Vito, he was <clears throat> still good. Uh, didn't know, like, really what he was saying pretty much the whole time because I didn't have subtitles. But uh, as you know, it, the performance was still good. Um, but But, yeah. Only so much you can do when you're trying to replicate the guy who did win Best Actor for the decades. True. He uh, had very big footsteps or shoes to fill. Very, very big. So, oh, yeah. All right. But Marlon right. Brando, Marlon yeah. Brando. yeah. That one's pretty, uh, pretty how about three? How about three Godfather nominees for that, for that category? And we're only going to get, uh, only going to get more in the Best Supporting Actor category here, where we have Robert Duvall, who was our, most uh he was in the most movies in the 70s he was in four of our 10 mm-hmm. uh which is incredible he was major burns and mash tom hagan in godfather one and two and lieutenant colonel kilgore in uh in apocalypse now so he was he was big time for us in this mm-hmm. in this uh project so far uh richard dreyfus for the role of hooper in jaws and he was also our leading man in american graffiti uh, but you know, Insane. he stood more. Still can't stood, believe it. No, cannot believe it. Cannot believe it. They that's a eighteen year age gap between those characters, <laughs> at least. Uh, and it's two time years traveler apart. Confirmed? Did we just confirm? Yeah, I think we just. Yeah, he's a time traveler. Yeah, um, uh, Harrison Ford for Han Solo uh, in Star Wars, Bob Falfa in American Graffiti, and Colonel Lucas in Apocalypse Now. Elliot Gould as Trapper John McIntyre in Mash. And James Kahn as Sonny Corleone in uh, The Godfather. Now, this one for me is actually more difficult than the best actor category. Yeah. Uh, because there's not one to me that is as straight up a winner. And like, I might just be saying that it probably is Robert Duvall, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, like, Robert Duvall, he has three characters. And they're all pretty strong characters. Like not True. like a Harrison Ford who has three characters. Like Han Solo is his strongest. Colonel Lucas is a very small role. And then Bob Faust is also another kind of smaller role. So it's it's like Harrison Ford has like basically two roles. You know, I'm counting the other ones as like half roles. Half. I so, get you. I get you. So like But the performance of like Han Solo, you know. Is really how much good. do you weigh that yeah. exactly? So like, but Robert Duvall, he was good in almost everything he was in. And I mean, I'd argue Tom Hagen was one of my favorite characters in both the Godfather movies, dude. So like, uh, and then I mean, like as recent as Apocalypse Now, just er- just earlier this week, uh, Lieutenant Kilgore, Lieutenant Colonel Kilgore, is one of the uh, most like fascinating characters I've ever watched on screen just because of the back and forth he plays where it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm gonna play the good guy, but really I don't actually give a shit. Like, uh, I, I, you know, and that was based on a true story. Solo's like Han Solo is the inverse. Like he's, he's going to play like he doesn't give a shit, yeah. but he's actually the good mm-hmm. guy. He's all, he always comes back, always comes back to save the day. But, uh, that the, um, Kilgore moment where he's like, here's some water out of my canteen. Like any guy who fights that valiantly, blah, blah, blah. Like that, uh, the guy who was on like the Vietnamese guy who held his Mm -hmm. intestines in with a pot or whatever. 
Like that yeah. was based that really happened in the Vietnam War. Oh sure. Um, and it was like a and he was like a known soldier that legitimately had like a pot that kept his intestines in his stomach. Like, and he went around and like fought. Like, uh, it was a Jesus legitimate soldier. Christ. Yeah. Um, which is just insane that uh, I, I thought that was just completely made up. You know, like for the movie, but legit. That's Jesus. Vietnam War shit. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, just to reference a movie from this year, Cherry, or last year, Cherry with Tom Holland. There's a scene where a dude's guts are straight up falling out of his stomach. Like, I'm, I'm thinking that's just a war thing, maybe mm. not just a Vietnam that's war true. thing. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but Robert Duvall, you know, we do have two military roles. Mm-hmm. We do have Major Burns and Lieutenant Colonel Kilgore, where... Uh, I mean, you can only provide so much range there when you are playing two military guys. And I think Burns was different than Kilgore. He wasn't as... Oh! Like, he was, like, really... He was more laid back, a little bit uh, a little bit different than uh, Kilgore was. Uh, but I'm not going to lie to you. My, my, my mind's telling me no, but my body... My body's telling me Richard Dreyfus. Uh, Hooper and Jaws is one of my favorite characters. Period. Uh, and then you throw on top of the on top of that that he was the leading man in American Graffiti, which I already loved. Uh, like right now, you ask me who the winner is in this category. It's Richard Dreyfus as Hooper, and there's no doubt for me. Yeah, I was uh, I was going back and forth between Duval and Dreyfus. Um, those are the two I was going back and forth between. I don't, I don't think, uh, Han Solo carries him that carries him hard enough to be up in the same category. And that's the thing. Um, if, if he had another leading man role on top of Han Solo, mm-hmm. that's, that's where Richard, like if, if Raiders of the Lost or, Ark or, right. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. If, yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You got it right. Indiana yeah. Jones. If that if that was in this decade, then like, yeah, he he'd be in this conversation. He'd probably win at that. I mean, point he'll again. probably like, he'll so, certainly be up there for our next decade's conversation. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Um, but yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable going Richard Dreyfus. I think, um, like, even though Duvall's characters were really good, like. Dreyfus's characters had way more like emotional attachment and like uh it just I feel like it was better acted too. Like it 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 just called to be better acted in the first place like for the role. And here's uh, another thing is that Richard Dreyfus was never acting opposite of anyone like uh Marlon Brando and Al Pacino. Uh he was acting against uh, Roy Scheider and R- little Ronnie Howard and mm-hmm. shit like that. So like and not shit like that. They're fantastic. They're fantastic <laughs> in their own right. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but Richard Dreyfus has a lot more opportunity to shine in those settings uh, than uh, Robert Duvall does as Tom Hagen. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Richard Dreyfus wins our best supporting actor nod. Well, yeah. Congratulations to the time traveling man. The time traveling man. Now let's do our best actress category. This is a fun one. We've got Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia Organa, Diane Keaton as Kay Adams in The Godfather and Godfather Part 2, 
Jodie Foster as Iris and the Taxi Driver, Sally Kellerman as Major Hot Lips O'Houlihan and Mash, and Lorraine Gray as Ellen Brody in Jaws. Now, uh, I'm going to put some respect on Sally Kellerman and Lorraine Gary. Uh, they were fantastic for the movies they were for the fanta- for the movies they were in. Uh, they both had aggressively small roles. Sally Kellerman was uh, overwhelmingly sexualized in in that movie, uh, and I mean, she she took it like a champ. She did she, she did that shit well. She was one of my favorite characters in that movie. You know, she did a really good job. Uh, and then Ellen Brody, like, I'm not gonna lie to you, I needed a fifth, uh, which is like <laughs> terrible to say for yeah. the decade, but like I needed a fifth. Uh, and she she did great as as the mother to the child who nearly died and the the wife to the man going out to sea but like uh like she doesn't have much of a story other than being the wife and the mother which sucks like but she did she did a really good job it's it's when it comes to Carrie Fisher, Diane Keaton and Jodie Foster that I'm really ready to uh talk about how incredible of performances and material they got to work with uh they they did fantastic and like I'd almost feel blasphemous going with anyone else. Uh, but I think Diane Keaton and Jodie Foster like really need, like I really like they're probably objectively Jodie Foster, which is crazy. Cause she's 12. Uh, like I'm between two and it's Carrie Fisher and Jodie Foster just because Diane. of how good of a role she did as a 12 year old like yeah it is insane that she put on that good of a role and did that well as 12 years old like that's insane but carrie fisher is it's carrie leia. fisher as princess leia i mean it's i mean yeah i'm, I'm gonna throw some respect to diane keaton here though too true because the scenes where uh, al pacino shines most in the Godfather two are the scenes where he is with K is with Diane Keaton. Uh, he, he, he can't provide his, like the, the anger performance without Diane Keaton's incredible ability to be like, uh, are you serious? You that fucking dumb. Hmm. I got rid of the baby asshole. Like, like the way she played that's, this. Just, that part was, I, yeah, that's true. Dude, the way she played this, just like, like, I wish I still loved you, but I just don't, this isn't it anymore. Like, I, like she so perfectly brought that to life. Like she did it so, so well. And like, for like that scene alone is enough to like propel her for me to like, definitely to rival, uh, uh, Jodie Foster, at least, like the thing that's carrying Carrie Fisher right now for me is the iconicism. Like uh, this, I mean, like if you look at this decade and you're taking out a female role of the '70s in general, not even just the movies that we covered, you're pulling out Leia. Like you're you're yeah, pulling Leia. out Carrie Fisher. Do you pull out, you know, Diane Keaton's? Okay, like. I, I, I sure hope you do. I think so. I think so. I think so. I think I think we got three. Like I think yeah. we got three of like definitely the actresses that would be be in in that conversation. Like Jodie Foster, Diane Keaton, and Carrie Fisher all had amazing roles here. I uh, think. Uh, I think Jodie. 
or Jodie Foster's role might be a little more forgotten. Like just if you're talking about the general seventies, true. But like for our list, like these three roles are all great. It's just Carrie Fisher's Leia is a league above. Like, oh yeah, Carrie Fisher is my uh, Carrie Fisher is I she'll hold a special place in my heart forever. And Leia Organa is like probably my favorite Star Wars character ever. So like. And Star Wars is my favorite thing ever. So like, it was gonna be, it was gonna be Carrie Fisher as Leia. I just needed to give the fair shake to Diane Keaton and Jodie Foster. And again, Jodie Foster as Iris in uh, Taxi Driver, she did so fucking fantastic. Like, the the thing that really stood out to me about that character was a, uh, like, the wizened, like she was hardened, like by her time doing what she does Mm -hmm. like so much so that I didn't like I was I believed she was playing a 12 year old but I didn't believe the actress was 12 and then I looked into it and then the actress was 12 and I was like holy fucking shit she was fantastic that's unbelievable like I'm thinking back when I was 12 years old and I freaking like fart jokes and like like you know like your mama yeah. jokes like li- that's what I'm doing at 12 you know like I'm playing Call of Duty on the Xbox 360 I'm playing zombies you know I'm I'm literally right. like that's what I'm doing I'm not performing like I couldn't do that that's insane like I can't I couldn't do that now like uh mm. <laughs> like no. uh yeah so Give a, I don't know. Uh, I'd say she's my honorable mention for sure here. Uh, Jodie Foster, she did fucking fantastic and grew into one of the greatest actresses of all time. Uh, But uh, Carrie Fisher just, Leia Organa is as iconic as it gets from the 70s. I don't know how you don't, how you don't go with her there. Um, But yeah, so that concludes the actors and actresses category. We are now to, uh, Let's do best director. So this is another fun one because we've got a few overlaps. I think uh, two of these guys directed half of the movies Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, George Lucas. George Lucas directing American Graffiti and Star Wars. And then Francis Ford Coppola directing... Godfather, Godfather Part 2, and Apocalypse Now. Um, This might all be in vain. Stanley Kubrick, uh, nominated for A Clockwork Orange in 1971. Steven Spielberg, nominated for Jaws, and Martin Scorsese, nominated for Taxi Driver. And... Let me recite that list to you again. George (laughs) Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, Stanley Kubrick, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese. It's a fucking absurd list we have here. Uh, And, you know, if we're going overall, all time, oh, God, is this matchup hell? And I would not be able to tell you exactly what I think. Uh, But it makes it a little easier when three of the movies are fucking both The Godfathers and Apocalypse Now. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola is the obvious choice. Yeah. I believe he had three movies in our top six as far as ratings were 
in the in the seventies. Mm. Yeah, uh, or top five, three movies in the top five in the seventies, which is just insane. Yeah, he uh, he's the clear winner here. Um, like George, yes, for Star Wars and American Graffiti, like insane for the seventies, like changed cinema forever. But you have the Godfathers and Apocalypse Now. Um, I don't even think like there's not really elaboration required. If like if you came to this thinking it'd be somebody else, you were wrong, and I'm sorry. Yeah, like uh, I'll give an an honorable mention to uh, Kubrick, uh, just for A Clockwork Orange, uh, just because I like it. Um, if this involved a couple years before the 70s, he would have also had 2001: A Space Odyssey. So like he. Like, and uh, if it would have if it would have included the year after the seventies, yeah. Like, so uh, he's his movies um, are some of my personal favorites. Um, he isn't one of my personal favorite people, though. Uh, I'm learning, but uh, I like his movies, so I'll give him an honorable mention there. Um, he makes some twisted know, shit. <laughs> true, and to build on that, I'll 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 throw an honorable mention at uh, Steven Spielberg. Because uh, if you include another movie a couple years away from the 70s in 1981, Raiders of the Lost Ark, I don't know. This gets a little bit tougher for me with Jaws and Indiana Jones, but it's just Jaws here. And uh, and and that's that's a Marvel all, all on its own, and I think it was the other one that rounded out our top five along with Star Wars. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not like uh... – second or third or fourth or fifth place are bad at all. They're like still the uh top like these are oh, yeah. the top directors of all time. Like these these guys <laughs> are yeah, they're not like just because Francis Ford Coppola is the clear winner of the seventies is uh in no way diminishing of these other guys. But um And not even not even the clear winner of the seventies exactly. The clear of clear winner this, of our yes. our ten movies in the seventies. Yeah. Which is uh I mean, you you direct three out of the ten, you are probably going to win the award. Uh, just makes sense, uh, especially when they're both the Godfathers and Apocalypse Now. Uh, it's just it's just absurd. It's unfair. And then, like last one, we'll mention Martin Scorsese. Obviously, has gone on to. I'm not going to lie, probably become my actual favorite director from this list uh, in terms of the movies he's put out later on. But as it stands here with Taxi Driver. I'm not even going to cap with you. My least favorite Martin Scorsese movie, as far as I'm concerned, like of the ones I've seen. Hmm. Uh, so uh, he, he was definitely not going to win best director here for me. Uh, but yeah, that concludes all of our categories with nominees. The last one there, best director went to Francis Ford Coppola. So again, let me run that down for you. Set design, Star Wars was the winner. Best soundtrack, Star Wars was again the winner. Best actor, Marlon Brando for Don Vito Corleone and Colonel Walter Kurtz. Uh, best supporting actor, Richard Dreyfus for Kurt and American Graffiti and, more specifically, Hooper and Jaws. Best actress, Carrie Fisher for Princess Leia Organa. And best director to Francis Ford Coppola. Now we've got a couple more uh, uh, awards to give. Uh, that are of a more technical nature of the real filmmaking side, but there wasn't really a lot of competition. We felt like, like there could have been, but it was like, do we really need to do all that? I think they're kind of like, duh. Uh, 
And we also didn't want to go with ones based on books for best writer. So it's like, because then it becomes a little bit more convoluted. You can't just nominate Francis Ford Coppola because Godfather was with Mario Puzo. Apocalypse Now is with a, a few other guys and Joseph Conrad for A Heart of Darkness. So it's just like, what if we just went with the dude <laughs> who wrote American Graffiti and the wrote Star dude. Wars? Yeah. Best writer, George Lucas. I mean, come on. Created a universe. one of the most vast worlds of all time. And and all of I guess a cinema. galaxy, but basically a, a universe. It gets that wide, does it? No, it's pretty. It's yeah, it stays in the galaxy, a galaxy far, far away. Um, but yeah, this is a uh, clear. The dude came up with this in his head. Like uh, this wasn't a thing before. Uh, like everything, lightsabers. Like he had to come up with that. Um, blasters. The ships, the Death Star, all of these things he comes up with. And then the characters. And, you know, it's insane to what he came up with. But the thing that's impressive is making these characters and having the story through all of this craziness be the heart of what Star Wars actually is. Like, Oh, yeah. The- like, it was such an archetypical storytelling method with the light versus the dark and the father versus the son. It's just... It's incredible. It's it's one of the best universes there is out there, and uh, George Lucas is almost entirely responsible, uh, if not entirely responsible for its existence. Uh, and, you know, another thing that Star Wars had in the last award of the day here is uh, costume design. Uh, best award for the technical side of things. Uh, and Star Wars, again, won costume design. I think there was like a... I this is completely original. It's completely its own thing. It's again, just like with set design, you're creating a whole world here. I have to believe it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You have Darth Vader alone beats out Darth all of Vader. the rest you of the Darth costume. Vader, you win. Yeah, but then Star Wars also has every other character that has an iconic costume in a silhouette to them. Like you see the silhouette Creepio, of R2. Uh, Chewbacca. I guess the silhouette of uh, Vito Corleone is known, kind of, um, but it's not the silhouette of Darth Vader. It's right. not the silhouette of R2-D2. Um, yeah, the uh, costume design is what makes Star Wars Star Wars. So, uh, and Amen. so it, yeah, no no competition there. But. No competition there. Uh but yeah, that concludes the the real deal side of the awards. Now we're gonna now we're gonna get into the fun shit. The real we have, stuff. Uh, we have uh, ten questions here. Ten questions. Uh, these are the fun fun categories, uh, and we're gonna start with a a a fun one here. Who is the best at being the worst? Now, uh, in this one, I'm gonna like open it up to complete for interpretation, like. If you want to, you can go with an actor. If you want to, you can go with a character. If you want to, you can go with an actual entire movie. Who is the best at being, like, for all of these, for all of the ones coming up? And uh, uh, I think I'll mostly go with characters on the character side of it. It's the easiest one to to jump on and really associate some of the things we've done with these questions. Uh, so let's start there. Who is the best at being the worst. Kilgore? Alex. Lieutenant Colonel Kilgore sucks. He does suck. Uh, Trying to think of uh, 
these other roles that suck. Like Vader, See, there's something. Yeah, obviously Vader. Like I thought about Vader. Uh, it's it's like <laughs> is that really what we mean here though? Like that's not what I that's not what I yeah mean. like you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. There's there's something here too. Like you you throw out Alex from A Clockwork Orange, uh, and I can appreciate that. I get what you're saying. I think there's something worse, not worse, but like more annoying about being just shit, just being a shit person and having no clue you're a shit person as opposed to purposely being like, hey, how about a bit of the ultra violence, huh? Like, obviously, that's worse. That's sicker. There's something bad there. But like. In terms of, like, what annoys the shit out of me, it's when Kilgore's like, any soldier who fights that hard can drink out of my canteen. Someone's like, you want to go surfing? And then he's dumping the water out. You know what I'm saying? Like, That's you're, you're a fuckboy. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, uh... Kilgore really does suck. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I was trying to think of anyone else that, like, sucks that much. <laughs> I have another one from Star Wars. Uh, it's the guy who's, like, uh... Who comes up to Luke at the cantina and is like, <laughs> he doesn't like you. And I don't like you either. Yeah. Uh, it's like, what the fuck do you want, guy? You're yeah, the like, worst. Really? <laughs> uh, he does, that dude does suck. I don't think, I think Kilgore beats him out. Um, but that dude does suck. I was, uh, that dude's, that dude's terrible. Uh, maybe, what? Maybe Michael. I, like, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, Michael Corleone sucks pretty bad. He I mean, eventually sucks, you know. Like, yeah, and he gets to that point, but like, he's not—he's not Kilgore bad. You know who is Kilgore bad and like annoys the shit out of me, and like is far and away the worst character in their movie, and it's not even close. It's Steve in American Graffiti, the one played by Ron Howard. Uh, he's the one who uh, I like tried to get it on with his girl in the car and she was just like really not feeling he's like hey what do you want from me huh and it's like dude fuck yourself dude i hate you and honestly that's my nomination for the best at being the worst is steve from american graffiti yeah we're going we're going we're splitting up we got to try new things be with new people to know if we really love each other okay buddy like you fuck boy okay you suck (laughs) You like really? Yeah. You know what? I can get past Kilgore. The dude just wants to surf. Um, and uh, Steve, fuck Steve, fuck Steve, dude. Steve is the fucking word. I like that we have like actual murderers on this list, like people who are truly to people who <laughs> just absolute evil people. And the best at being the worst is this high school douchebag. Fuck him. Uh, Steve. Yeah. Fucking Steve. Fuck Steve, man. Yeah, he can, he can die Steve. in a hole. Yeah. Nope. Yep. <laughs> Kil- Steve is the While Kilgore literally orders napalm strikes on villages and white and bomb strikes at every minute, we got Steve. <laughs> it's a different kind of bad, yeah, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There are levels to this shit. Kilgore really just and wanted to surf at heart. It's true. You gotta look for any joy you can get out there. And conversely, if Steve is the worst, just the best at being the worst. Abs- fuck that guy. 
Who's who's uh, uh, who's the best to be in the best? I mean, this one's pretty clear. Um, literally, power ranking, uh, Luke Skywalker is the best at being the best. Like, it's a fact. Dude, uh, dude's like way better than anyone ever has been. Like, he's kind of like Jesus, you know. I feel you. So, okay, so that's easy. I'm with you there. Best of the best is definitely Luke Skywalker. Now, let me ask you. Let's have a uh, think past Luke. No, 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 no. Who's the worst? At being the best. Who is the who is the protagonist of a movie that you're just like, God damn it, we gotta follow this fucking guy? Like, I'm supposed to and I gotta go Hawkeye. Donald Sutherland. And, and it's just Mash, fitting that it's Hawkeye too, because Hawkeye just inherently just sucks. Dude, All, he's like he's like objectively Hawkeye. a good person in that movie, like com- comparatively, but boy oh boy. Fuck that guy, you know? He is the worst at being the best. Uh I think I think that my I think that's where I'd go with that. I mean I don't know where else I'd go. I feel like it almost would have to be Hawkeye. I mean, I don't know. Martin Brody in Jaws. I got feel for the guy. I sympathize with the guy, but I don't know. He's just like kind of like he's a cop, bro. He's a yeah, cop. He could like he should have shut down those beaches, man. He should have shut down those beaches, man. But the mayor, like, what are you gonna do? That's the what mayor. You like, your hands. That's his boss, right? Like, oh, maybe that guy's the fucking best at being the, the mayor. Worst. Yeah, it's Steve and the mayor. Fuck them both. They both. Are Fuck the them both. They both won. Fuck you, Steve. Steven Mayor, terrible suit, ass face, coat, ass boy. Yeah, the worst anchor. The suit with the anchors on it. Freaking yeah, yeah, cringy yeah, yeah, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck that guy. But nah. Yeah, I guess worst at being the best. I would definitely still go Hawkeye Pierce from Mash. It was just kind of like ah. And Martin Brody, Martin Brody and Jaws too. They're both they're both kind of like, like while the mayor is the best at being the worst, you know, like Martin Brody's hands are tied. Not much you can do. This guy's the fucking worst. But boy, you could have tried harder, and then that makes you the best, uh, the worst at being the best. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah, uh, it's true. By the transitive property, you know. By the transitive basically property, basically Martin Brody is uh yeah the worst at being the best. But uh, um, this uh, this next one is I'm trying to trying to think. Class uh, clown, what's what's got you giggling? I'm trying to think. Uh, I got another one. All right, right off the dome. Uh, like for the person who like truly brought me the joy, brought me joy the most in the moments I needed it. Uh, during these movies was like the best executed comic relief for me was Hooper and Jaws. Uh, by Richard Dreyfus. Fair. He, he, he I'm was not funny drunk enough to get on a boat. Oh no, that was Brody. But that that I'm not drunk enough to get on a boat. Like, yes, you are. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, I. That's a good. And then one. whenever Quint turns around and he like, <laughs> like pulls on his face and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like. Oh, 
full steam ahead. Oh, full speed. Yeah, at 240 yeah. knots. Blah, blah, blah. Faster yeah, I get Hooper, off here, faster. Fuck. <laughs> Hooper was fucking funny. Uh, you know, uh, if I if I wanted to go with another class clown, uh, I mean, let's see. I'm trying to think, like, maybe maybe Han Solo or maybe maybe 3PO. Is 3PO a class clown? <laughs> 3PO just a clown. I don't think I don't think he gets at me the way Hooper does though. I like Hooper a lot. I feel I feel like he's the answer for class clown here. Yeah, I yeah, I'm running through the cast and nothing's not, no one else is making sense really. Maybe Sonny. He was kind of funny every now and then, but not funny, really. But he was mostly just angry and yeah. he got 50 times. He had some, yeah, no. Uh, I think it is, yeah. I think it is just Hooper. All right, all right. I can't, I'm with yeah. No one else was really, like, that funny. Even, like, in the comedy movie, MASH. Like, oh, yeah, Hooper like, was funnier yeah. than anybody in that yeah. movie. So, um, that's just funny. Fuck that movie. We really maybe crazy. maybe that movie overall is just the best at being the worst. Yeah, just just mash. Just mash. Is the just yeah. Just uh yeah, fuck Steve, fuck the mayor, and fuck mash. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Man. Steve, fuck the mayor, and fuck mash. Uh but uh let's go on to the next one. Who is the most likely to succeed? Going just like classic high school shit on class clown and most likely to succeed here. Kurt from American Graffiti. You know, <laughs> wait, 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 what, what happened to him? Actually? Uh, he ended up moving, said... he, he ended up moving and going making something of himself. Uh, oh, did he, was he, the, no, he wasn't the one who stayed Steve. Yeah. Fuck Steve. He was the insurance Steve, guy. Yeah. yeah the, the guy who stayed home. Yeah. Uh, nothing against insurance guys, but like, uh, just fuck Steve. So that's why I like fuck insurance guys in that situation. But, uh, Fuck that insurance guy. Yeah, just just his agency, um, whatever he belongs to. <laughs> his practice. Um, but yeah, like uh, Kurt went off and like whatever his dream was, right? Like, or didn't he become like a writer or like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. or something? Yeah, something like that. So, um, you know, it's my. You know who my most likely to succeed is? It's the guy who literally murdered everyone to make it happen, Michael Corleone. Uh. Uh, he makes sure you know you know you know why he's the most likely to succeed because he'll kill everybody else who who could get in his way to do it luke skywalker kind of can rival that though he has the force on his side he has Um, the force on his side sure but does he have the power of the five families i guess michael corleone took out the head of the five families dude that's insane that's like kind of more insane than blowing up the death star not gonna lie Nah, it's not. But like, uh, nah, it's not. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the, the half second of internal struggle, where it was like, it was like that might be more impressive than blowing up the Death Star. Nah, it's not. Yeah, uh, that was outstanding. Billions. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, ooh, okay. Underrated, most likely to succeed. Sante. Ooh. Opening up the 36th chamber, baby. We need a we need a win. We need a we win. We need a win for, for that man. 36th chamber of Shaolin. This movie, yes. This movie's the most likely to succeed too. 
It's freaking if you watch this movie, guaranteed your life becomes better. Um, That's a fact. I I I know we've been talking a lot uh, about like uh, a Clockwork Orange and how much we loved it. Uh, but if I recall, don't we have like the thirty six Chamber of Shaolin like within like point one five of its score? A Clockwork Orange is four point four two. Thirty six Chamber of Shaolin is four point four five. So it's... yeah, so it was point three higher. Mm-hmm. So like you've seen you've seen how how highly we've spoken of fucking a I love that movie dude like it was awesome like that movie was just fun like it was fun it was good it was yeah like I feel I legitimately felt better after watching that movie like that's a fact and I'm comfortable just putting Sante and the 36th chamber of Shaolin as the most likely to succeed yeah cause boy oh boy did they succeed and wow what a Yes, beautiful movie. Hmm. Needed a needed a dub somewhere, and that's it beautiful. It did. Now let's go to the converse. <laughs> the, <laughs> Most uh, likely to end up in jail or dead. And a lot of these characters do end up in jail or dead. I mean, we got Taxi Driver. Um, pew Pew, he's dead. Maybe. Yes. I think so. Yes. Pretty confident. Yes, he's dead. 100%. Uh, we have, uh, I don't know if you recall, but American Graffiti, you have John, who did end up dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was couple... wild. Yeah, um, they were like, oh, yeah, and screen. at the end of this happy... As a fictional story. <laughs> like, not even based on a true story. Like, whenever those popped up, I'm like, oh, is this whole thing based on a true story? And then I'm like, wait, no, George Lucas wrote this. Like, this is all just something that he wrote. I'm like, why Why did this dude die? Like, but uh, I wish Steve died. That would have been way better. Fuck Steve. Like, Fuck uh, Steve. Yeah, that would have been way better. But I mean, then you also got Vito Corleone dead. Sonny Corleone dead. Like, a lot of dead people. A lot uh, of dead. Quint and Jaws. I was just about to say. Um, uh, I mean, everybody on the Death Star, Tarkin, dead. Uh, the leader of the gang that Gordon Liu killed at the end of the 36th Chamber of the Shaolin with a headbutt to the stomach, dead. He is very dead. His chest had to explode. Like, maybe he, do you think he blasted a hole through him and that's why they, like, couldn't show it? They couldn't show it? That'd be pretty impressive. Yeah, because obviously everything captured in that movie was in camera and legitimate. So, like, that headbutt was real and, like, his headbutt really probably exploded him. Destroyed, destroyed, like... If you've seen X Men: The Dark Phoenix, like the thing Jean Grey does, where like she just like evaporates people, that's that's what that's what Gordon Liu's head did to that man on set. Or rest uh, in peace, that man. Or uh, what's his name? The guy who can absorb kinetic energy, who was like uh, Magneto's, uh, like worked on him and stuff. Uh, oh yeah, the guy who like uh, who had the helmet originally, um, Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, Shaw. Um. You know, whenever he just taps someone and they explode, yeah, that's yeah. what the headbutt did. Doctor Manhattan, that shit. Just his at the just right when his head touched his chest, just literally just evaporation, just started dissolving from the sheer power. But uh, this is uh this is an interesting one. We have a lot of dead people, a lot of a lot of uh, curse like or just people that 
don't have I'm the not best of fates. You, if there was anybody in this entire list who was the single most likely to end up dead or in jail, I got to go Travis Bickle and Taxi Driver. One way or another. It didn't, like, eventually his road ended in death or jail. Like, like that was... Dude, too. Like, very, like it, it was going to happen, like, within that week. Pretty much, yeah. like no matter what, like that. What, however, that week went, like he was, he was either, either dead, dead or, or in jail at the end That's, of it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable putting Travis Bickle. I just that, that name just sounds so fake. I don't know, just Travis Bickle. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why. It just is weird. I'm with me. you, Bickle. It's because it rhymes with pickle, but it's not pickle. And it's like a B is almost a P. You just got to take off that little. And so yeah. it looked. The word looks like pickle. Um, Travis Bickle. But uh, here we go. Let's do it. Let's do the dream blunt rotation uh, of of our of our movie here. Entire cast of Star Wars. Duh. Um, uh, you gotta sense. have. I'm I'm at least getting Han and Chewie in there with me. That's 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 a guarantee. Yeah, Han and Chewie gonna be riding. I want Hooper. Give me Hooper. Hooper's there for my dream blunt rotation. Uh, that's my man's. I ride for my mans. I die for my mans. What do you think Don Vito Corleone is like? He's not a man. But I want to find out. He's not a man that likes drugs, but you know, maybe when he maybe just this once. Maybe just once. Yeah, let me make we make him an offer he can't refuse. You know, I don't know if he's in the dream blunt rotation. Um, true, true. But uh, but maybe uh, the experimental seat. Um guy who just to just to see yeah the cure the curiosity pick uh <laughs> and maybe like if we want some like variants up in the so maybe we get like a kurt and hooper along Ooh. with like bob fafta and han solo Ooh, <laughs> that'd be sick yeah definitely we have to do that <laughs> we have we have to get these people uh I have variants in there. Uh, let's see. From the 30... Sante. I mean, I, I'm going with the dude who, like, ran the 35th chamber. Oh, oh, whoever that dude is. Yes, 35th chamber head. <laughs> dude. Yeah, that dude for sure is getting in there. Because he... He'd probably start to teach us some stuff. He'd let some stuff slide, you know. Yeah, he's uh, letting that stuff slip at that point. That'd be sick. Um, I'm trying to think. That might be it for my dream blunt rotation yeah, amongst the characters good, we have uh, here. Yeah, no um, one from, like, uh, <laughs> Apocalypse Now. I definitely don't want anybody uh, from Taxi Driver in yeah, my blunt no. rotation. Uh, maybe, uh... Betsy. Maybe Wizard, that one guy who, like, gave him all his advice. <laughs> no, that guy's in my nightmare blunt rotation, that's for sure. Yes, might as well, uh, yeah, might as well put him there. Uh. Another guy that's in my nightmare blunt rotation, uh, Travis Bickle. Uh, actually, take every character in Taxi Driver, and they are in my nightmare blunt circle. Uh, sport the fucking pimp that ooh yeah yeah just might as well just put taxi driver taxi maybe. driver is in my nightmare Minus Betsy and Iris Betsy I forgot about Betsy 
She probably would have been in the. She probably could have been in the best actress category. Mm, yeah, sub um, Lorraine Gray, um, Ellen Brody, and put Betsy in there. True, as the nomination. Still Carrie Fisher. Yes, yes, still Carrie Fisher wins. But um, but uh, the important distinction: it is Taxi Driver minus Betsy and Iris um, in the Nightmare. True, true. Yes. Uh, um, probably. Um, I'm gonna go with Michael Corleone. Definitely don't want to be getting high with Michael Corleone. Um, uh, I'm gonna go with Steve. Vader. I don't. I don't know about Darth Vader. Yeah, like, I don't want to uh, get high with Darth Vader. Um, I don't know though. No, the mechanical lungs. There's just no way that goes sure. good for yeah, anybody. Yeah, probably not. And that's coming from another universe too. We got like that's like crazy shit for them. That's like. They they bring in a comtono a spice up in that hole for us. <laughs> Ooh, uh, yes. Like I okay, yeah. Oh, Han and Chewie got us. Han and Chewie got us. We're chilling. Yeah, Lando. Uh, Lando. Lando. He's not. He's not in there though. He's not in Star oh, Wars. He's not in seventy seven. That's true. I thought about it. I thought about it. You know, I thought about it. If there's anybody <laughs> in Star Wars who I'm smoking weed with, it's Lando Calrissian. Obviously, that's the first thought. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, shit. A little bit more on the nightmare blunt rotation side. Uh, uh Steve, fuck Steve. Um, probably. Um, the mayor. The mayor. Well, shit. Uh, Jaws. The shark. Yeah. The shark. Yeah. The shark itself. Jaws. I don't want to smoke with that shark. Uh, I definitely don't want to smoke with Quint. I already put him up there. Yeah, it was the first one that i typed actually it was Quinn. it was just like crazy. reactionary um yeah it was just like yeah that dude would be scary yeah he just wouldn't be wouldn't be good you, know, you, you know what i this is gonna sound weird i need to make an addition to the dream blunt rotation <laughs> colonel walter kurtz <laughs> Whoa! Why? I just want to know, man. Same with the Vito Corleone one. Like, it's just like, what the fuck happens? Maybe then I'll get it. <laughs> but that's like, it can get so bad. That dude's a cult leader. Like, he, you know, he he could, and he like. You know, that's a bad dude. No, yeah, that's a bad dude. You know what? Fine. I mean, he's in yes, the nightmare. If he's in the can, nightmare. Like, if we can have him in like a cage and like uh True. just study. See, him. that's the thing. It's like I I caged. guess that's we'll that was a decision. bad way to put it. First I don't want caged. I don't want <laughs> caged. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want I want to observe him and like see how he behaves high. I don't wanna like I don't wanna like hang out with him. Uh, yeah, and I I put him in the nightmare as uncaged, um, so it, yeah, it works. So caged in the in the dream rotation, uncaged. Yeah, oh, I think that shit. works. That's yeah. fantastic. I mean, I really don't want to get high with uh with Captain Ben Lillard or Willard from Apocalypse Now either. That's true. I guess I don't know. We did see him get high. In the movie, we did, but like, and did then, you want to hang out with a dude who was like that when yeah, he was high? Yeah, no, no, no. You know what? I know we put him up there for best of being the worst, but like, he probably wouldn't be bad to smoke a blunt with uh, Kilgore. 
That's know. fair. Yeah, like uh, yeah, Kilgore. Um, you gotta like take away his ability to call in airstrikes in napalm. Though. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we gotta be um, in a neutral, neutral area. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Kilgore, um, unmilitarized. Yeah, unmilitarized Kilgore. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's like saying light side Vader. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> no, uh, Vader caged, but like you can't cage him. You know, he, yeah, he's like, breaking break out, out of that. So shit. Yeah. yeah, so there's no, no doing that there. I think that's good though. Um, yeah, I think that's a, it. Like so, spread there. Let's let's. So dream blunt rotation. We had Han and Chewie, uh, Hooper. Don Vito Corleone, Kurt Bob Falfa, the thirty-fifth chamber head, uh, Kurtz caged, and Kilgore unmilitarized. Mm. Uh, in the nightmare blunt rotation, we have Quint. <laughs> you put him before taxi driver. Yeah. That's outstanding. I didn't realize that's what it's you meant. So reactionary. I just typed Quint before taxi. Like it was. Uh, just an, yeah, I don't know. It's just an obvious uh, Quint taxi driver minus Betsy and Iris, Michael Corleone, Vader. Steve, the mayor, Jaws, the shark itself, uh, Kurtz, uncaged, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Willard uh, is the nightmare blunt rotation. And that brings us to our last, our last couple here. Uh, who's the biggest simp? And I'm gonna be real with you; it's an easy one. It's Kurt. That man spent his entire Fair, night bro. chasing a woman. He fell in love at one glance, bro. Definitely Kurt. Underrated pick? Han. Goes for Leia Honestly. hard. Like, uh, doesn't want to, doesn't want to. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to like. He's not, he's not a simp though. He played, he, he's smooth. You know who's a simp? Hmm. Luke. You think a princess and a guy like me? No! Come on, bro. That's a simp. That is a simp. Kurt and Luke, man. Wow, Kurt, you're up there with uh, with some... Well, it makes sense. Good company. Didn't even but... think about it like that. George Lucas inserting himself into his uh into his protagonist. There we go. Kurt, George Luke Lucas is the George biggest Lucas. simp of the 70s. Yeah, we'll put we'll put George up in there. Um let's see. Who else? Was anyone else simp worthy? Travis, Bartlett. uh, who, who was obsessed with one of the playboy girls? The guy was like, I even wrote to her. Oh one my time. fucking um, God. Chef. Chef. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a simp. That's yeah. as big a simp as it fucking gets. Maybe realize that like playboys, like it's like only fans like now. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like, it's literally just modernized. Like this, like, uh, he's like, dude, I, I, yeah, I even wrote to her like on the back. I sent her like a postcard, like, you know, for extra money or whatever. And then like, like I don't know, it's just it was just oh man, it's just a funny like no, that man was the like, biggest simp yeah. in the entire fucking yeah. universe. <laughs> um, oh, there was one in Mash. There had to be one in Mash. Mm. Uh, someone was going for hot lips super hard. Someone was going for hot lips super hard. Was it? Was it Hawkeye? I feel like no, there was a... no, no. He always shut her down. He was like, no. It was, I'd it was Major really. Burns. Major Burns and her actually hooked up, and that's how she got the name Hot Lips. 
Yeah, they hooked up, but he was like smooth. He was kind of like smooth with it. There was someone who was trying to get with her, but never did. Um, and it could have been was it was it Trapper Elliot Gold? Maybe. Well, here's the thing: if you're the biggest simp, you're a memorable simp. That's the bottom line. It's true. And the the four we got up there are memorable simps. So. Yeah, I think uh I think we hit it. I think uh I might put Quint for the shark. <laughs> he was simping for he, he, simping he, he for is a shark. shark simp. He kinda is. He was simping uh, for that shark. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's good. I'm trying to think Kurt, of Luke, George Lucas, Chef, and Quint. <laughs> uh <laughs> that's outstanding. Uh best couple. I mean you got Han and Leia. But like, not not for real. For yeah, real. not for real. For real. Like, uh, so you got this. This Mike one becomes more fair game. And K, but like, that's not a really like, good couple. Oof, yeah. Oof. Um, maybe maybe Godfather One, you give them best couple, and then Godfather Two, you give them worst. Uh, I feel like that might be. Or a fair... maybe we could do uh, like who do we ship? You know. Oh yeah, like across across, yeah, across the all the movies, yeah, across across the multiverse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who do, who do you think would have who who would have hit it off? Um, this is an interesting question. Like, uh, and you know what? And it doesn't even have to be a romantic pairing either. Who who would have who would have got who would have been down with each other? Who would have been like, you know what? I like you. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, the Apocalypse Now boys uh, and the MASH boys um, just being military dudes just would clash yeah, well. Off. That's just like they a off. thing. But uh, more uh, like I think Alex from Clockwork Orange and uh, Travis and Bickle, Travis man. would hit it off. They'd hit it off. They'd be homies. You yeah. know that for sure. Yeah. They'd be like, yo, so what porno theater are you trying to go to tonight, bro? <laughs> Maybe afterwards we can hit the milk bar. Dude, and he would think the milk bar is totally normal. You know, that's oh, a normal. Yeah, dude. You just know oh, Travis dude. Bickle would love the milk bar. He, oh yeah, he he'd be all up, dude. They would hit. Oh, they totally hit it off. Oh, dude, they love each other, bro. They love each other. Uh, you know who I'm trying to I'm trying to just like put in a room and see see how they interact. Uh, if there's anyone in my opinion who had the capability of. <laughs> I can change him, uh, Michael Corleone. <laughs> you know who had the ability to do that? There's one person. It's Leo Organa. <laughs> hmm. That'd be an, a very interesting uh, just thing to watch, to see what oh, happens. No. I mean, like, morally, Leo would never be into Michael Corleone. But given the, uh, given the right circumstance and if it were to, were to happen... I feel like if there's anyone who can do a number on Michael for good, it's Leo Organa. Maybe Luke, too. I'd say Luke could do it. You know? He's, True. Uh, but no, that, that Leia and Michael would be interesting to watch. Because uh, Leia wouldn't put up with any of that. No, exactly. Uh, wouldn't put up with a single ounce of shit. If, uh, I mean, it's just great that you have, like, a little bit of Padme in Leia. So, like, you get, like, sure. a... A de facto Padme. Is that the right use of de facto? I don't think I. A I, bit. I, I mean, think I like use that completely. Semi, like you were, you were, 
basically. I don't know, I don't know why I said that. I've never used it. Was it was a de facto, de facto use of de facto. <laughs> I, I truly don't know what it means. I just said it because I think it sounded right. Um, uh, it's like um, th- th- there's a therein. Yeah, it's like, like a there's a saying that's like it's sort of like de facto, but it it means like um like grandfathered in. It, oh, like, okay, maybe that's it. Yeah, ipso facto. It's like a through this, like technically, mm. ipso facto. I'm your boss like, by the transitive property. I guess. Yeah, you know, like, exactly. Yeah, all all the same, but uh, yeah, that, Michael Corleone and Leia. That'd be a. Uh, <laughs> Um, here, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking some more here, too. How about, um, uh, John, uh, the, the car that Steve gives, uh, the car that Steve gives to, uh, the little, the little douchebag, uh, not, not the little douchebag, he was one of the more lovable characters in the movie. Uh, uh, the guy the who's trying to get alcohol. Terry. And then, yeah, Terry yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The car that uh, Steve gives Terry and Luke's X-wing. Uh, <laughs> I think they'd. I think they'd hit it off, big time. Luke's X-wing and how Terry's car and Terry's car. <laughs> That'd be a. We're really expanding the multiverse now. Oh yeah, um, it's uh, it's it, it. Come with me. And ponder the question. <laughs> Weird guy through these vast new realities. <laughs> That's a vast reality right there. That's a really vast reality. I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, if, if we open this up a little bit more and if it was like Star Wars all-encompassing, mm-hmm. I'd say like Rancor and Jaws. I think they'd vibe. <laughs> uh, uh, they'd probably be like, yo, what's up, homie? Uh Maybe the Sarlacc can get in a little bit, too. Oh, Obi Wan and freaking uh, Don Vito, man, come on! Ooh, wee, Vito Corleone and old Ben Kenobi. Yeah, that's as good as it gets right there. That's ideal. An old Ben, heck yeah, dude! Oh, I'd want to see that. And then maybe like Vader and Steve. Um, just so Vader can slice. <laughs> just so Vader can slice this man into a million pieces. Yeah. Uh, now, now, like, who do you think would come face to face, and it would be like instantly on sight? Like this person sees this person, and they are fighting. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, Vader's pretty easy. Vader's pretty easy. Um, it's so just I'm trying to Vader. Vader a yeah, bit. It, like who would fight Vader? But like. Um, no one could like. No one is on site looking at Vader and then being exactly. like, "Yeah." So like, <laughs> um, I think that uh, it, you put Michael Corleone opposite uh Captain Willard for some reason. I just think that's that's bound to uh, result in some sort of altercation, like uh. Or maybe Kurtz, you know, he'll be like, whoa, you look like my dad. Uh, let's fight. Kurt and Hooper. Kurt and see Hooper. each other and then realize there can only be one. And then, so they have to on-site <laughs> kill each other. They have to on-site kill each other. So, uh, 
or like the, a, a Han Solo. Another another on site. Another on site. I know they. Uh, I know they were in the other category, but Travis and Alex would also <laughs> while they would hit it off, they would also on site murder each other. But they would both <laughs> like it. Wow, yeah, that's a that's a, I'd throw them in a. I'd ship them as a, a killing each other and a romantic couple. I think they just hit You're it frankly. off in every in every way. Um, <laughs> Alex and Travis. Wow. Yeah, we, uh, that's good. I like that. I think we got, what about, we got some uh, good couples there. I'm trying to think. There's there's one more that I that I think could probably be lumped into this. I'm trying to find a pairing here. Let's try I'm trying to... to find. Oh, you know who's, you know who, like, I know they're just, like, getting along. Mm. Is C-3PO? And uh, Fredo Corleone. <laughs> I'm down with that. Oh yeah, C3PO needs a. He needs, needs a, a Fredo, needs, man. Yeah, needs a Fredo. I think uh, Sante and uh, like Luke. Oh um, yeah, big I think time. they would just be really cool together. Like uh, big time, basically like kind of the same thing. Um, archetypical story-wise definitely like they they definitely represent the same idea i think in terms of the storytelling you got um, some good couples there we do we got some nice pairings i think uh one of the favorites luke's x-wing and terry's car that that one uh god that one's just hot oh man it gets me going um <laughs> don, don vito and old ben that one that's that's as good as it gets that man. one that's, oh I'd want to see that. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for that one. <laughs> Thank you. Um. So let's let's wrap this thing up, and where before we get to the the big one, where better to wrap up than best hair? Who's got the best hair? Leia. Ooh, it's almost certainly Leia. I mean, like it's iconic. Like her hair is iconic. Can you tell me another iconic hair? Travis Bickle. The mohawk. Um, that is iconic hair, but is it best hair? No, it doesn't beat Leia. I guess. That might actually be worst hair, <laughs> yeah. and and the most iconic. <laughs> um, worst hair goes to Travis Bickle. <laughs> um, but yeah, Leia, Leia at least like, and think of another. You know who had like a underrated, good head of hair and facial hair on him. I, we keep bringing it back to the man, but Hooper. I liked that man's beard. He had a nice beard. Best beard? Best beard. Who had a beard other than... Or best facial hair. Because uh, you can go Vito Corleone Who at that was, point. And Mash had some wild hair. Oh, Elliot Gold had a, quite the fucking stash on him. Dude, that dude was rocking the like... Yeah, it it was like a... He had like a little he fro. He had the stash that went into the chin strap, but like yeah. nothing like on his goatee. So it was like, yeah, it, that was sick. Yeah, oh. it goes, it goes. Elliot Gold as Trapper John McIntyre for for best facial hair. There's pretty much no doubt. With a uh, honorable mention going to uh, the Don Vito Corleone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's an iconic stash there that he's rocking. Um, oh, man, Ben Kenobi. Pretty iconic beard on him. Mm-hmm. 
uh, we could give a shout out here for best hair. All the wigs and the 36th chamber of Shaolin. Uh, it will just put the whole movie. <laughs> there was an there. overwhelming amount of wigs in uh, the 36th chamber of Shaolin. Fei hair was rocking too. They had uh, some old sensei, like a uh, sick. True, yeah, so, uh, true. They just got, they had good hair. Like, uh, that's just good hair movie. That's just a good hair movie. Um, but yeah, man. Shit, you want to top this all off, the whole award show, and go with what you think the best movie of the decade is? Best movie of the freaking decade. I'm, uh, I don't know. This is, uh... I mean... There's two that are immediately... Star Wars and the Godfather. Yeah. Um, Star Wars. It's Star Wars. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best movie of all time. Like, it, like not even the seventies. Like, it's it it just revel. It's it's Star Wars. Like, uh, it's not it's by a by a by a huge margin, but like, Star Wars just is Star Wars. Like mm. it's seventy seven. It's like the moment that changed. Like the, from that point on, like movies just changed. Like it were, were never the same. And Man, Star Wars is undoubtedly the movie of the decade. It just had a bigger impact. Uh, it it to this day, I mean, is the only one of these properties that still has adaptations. Uh, and I, whether you believe that is a credit or a discredit. Uh, up to you uh and really inherently it's not either it's just kind of another another thing but uh it did result in a universe of storytelling that has lasted tens of years and will It'll last be 45, 45 years this year will last many many more many 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 more so yeah i agree star wars is the best movie of the decade with godfather getting a uh a nice little honorable mention there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't but, think. Yeah. Uh, what other movie comes close to them? Like what? What's like a? I'd say like uh, for the movie of the decade, like. Well, okay, but like, let's go besides Star Wars. What was the most enjoyable experience you had this decade? Like, what movie coming in or leaving this decade is much higher on your favorites than it was coming in? And I already know your answer, but I'm ready for it. It's not a Clockwork Orange. What? It's the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. Ooh, that movie's sick. It's awesome. It was fun. It was enjoyable. Like I, I was like, I'm ramped. It motivated me. Like that movie was sick. Like favorite movie, movie as a like favorite movie of these is a Clockwork Orange. Like, uh, but like as yeah. just enjoyment. Like, uh, you're not getting much better than the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. There, I love it's movie. just. And in the same vein, you know, I'm a, and I think there's something to be said here for the coming of age style of storytelling, because in the same vein, I'd go American Graffiti. That's what uh, I was about as, to say as like the third place movie of the decade yeah. because of like just how great of a coming of age story it was and like how it just truly captured that time. Like, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I, it's probably like my third favorite enjoyable like it goes 36 chamber clockwork orange and then american graffiti is like enjoyment 
Um, I'm, I'm right there with you. And Star really, Wars. I went with American Graffiti because you went with 36 Chamber of Shaolin. Mm. Uh, that probably would be would be my top one too. Uh, it was just as fun as it gets. Um, it was fine. It was nice. Frankly. Uh, finally, like watching like a foreign film. Um, right. like I haven't watched. Like I can't even think of another foreign film that I've watched. Like Ooh, a whole other genre of movies that you're just you're missing out on. You got like there's so many great foreign films, and uh, specifically Korea, Korea, South Korea makes a lot of great, great movies. Uh, that I've as far as the foreign films I've mm. seen. Uh, but yeah, man, I don't have a, I don't have much else to say. That was the '70s awards there. Uh. I think uh I think it speaks for itself. It was uh, a gr- great first award show of uh many more to come. Um yeah, we'll have the 80s, we'll have the 90s, we'll have the 10s and we'll have the aughts. Uh it'll be a, it'll be about 10 years before the 20s. The uh, uh yeah, well, it'll be a little bit. I guess we could do the two movies of the uh 2020s or yeah, three movies, right. sorry, three movies of the 2020s. Um, we could do an awards show for, for those three, but it'll be nice and short, nice and simple. Wouldn't be that, uh, yeah, wouldn't be wouldn't that, be that eventful. Yeah. <laughs> but we're difficult. We'd have plenty of options or not plenty of options, but like obvious options. Cause we had three choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I guess maybe we could open up the 2020s to every movie that came out. Um, from yeah, and just like, or something like that, you know, more recent in memory, more people have seen them. We, we might mm-hmm. be able to get away with that by then. Uh, but yeah, man, I don't, uh, I think that's that. This was the Penny Bloom podcast. If you would, head to patreon.com slash Bloom where you'll find well over 21 hours of exclusive content at this point. Head over to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, follow Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast, and we are officially done with the 70s. That is it. That is that. Moving it's on. It's done. The 70s are gone. We're, it's out of our minds. We're not even thinking about it anymore. Uh, I mean, we are a little bit hard to forget. Uh, and next week we'll pick it up with the 80s and we'll kick off 1980 with The Shining, another Stanley Kubrick flick. And I can't wait for y'all to hear that. Uh, what will that be? The uh, second episode of March? And then we'll have mm-hmm. we'll have a couple more after. We'll have a couple more after. Okay. Yeah, so coming up in March, The Shining, Raiders in the Lost Ark, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Blade Runner. So, big Harrison Ford month, March. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apocalypse Now, Indiana Jones, and Blade Runner. Harrison Ford's in three of the four movies this month. That's fucking insane. Uh, Yeah, he's looking like he's dominating this. uh... Oh, the 80s 80s leading actor might not be so difficult. Uh, that That one might be a little easier for us. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think this was, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Say, I, was say just, I was just going to say a last call to fuck Steve. Um, just fuck wanted to get Steve, one more in there. Bro. Um, so yeah, fuck Steve. And there's never too many fuck Steve's and I doubt it'll be the last one. Uh, I was Colton Robertson joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It is always a pleasure to be here. It is always a pleasure to have you. And remember peace. Love and Bloom. And fuck Steve. Steve. Yeah, of course.